Well, welcome back everyone to a new season of Mintel's Little Conversation. We've got a really great lineup for you in the weeks ahead, so stay tuned. But as you know, Mintel's Little Conversations are all about real conversation with actionable insights into what consumers want and why. I'm Lynn Dornblazer, I'm Principal Consultant at Mintel. And today I'm joined by two of my colleagues, Caitlin Sikowski, she's an Associate Principal Consultant, and Nicole Bond, Associate Director Marketing Strategy at Compare Media. So there are a lot of major sporting events out there, but we just lived through the Super Bowl. So I know the two of you have a lot to talk about, about what we saw, what we didn't see, and how important some of those ads were or were not. Absolutely. And I think before we get into like the ads of it all, Caitlin and I want to talk about why the Super Bowl is such a different moment when it comes to sports marketing. It lives in a lane of its own. And like we're going to see some other big events throughout this year, World Cup, Olympics, that are all going to shape up a different opportunity for marketers. The Super Bowl is the only event with Global Pool that brings people who are going to watch the sport, passionate fans, people who are there for the social event of it all, people like us who are tuning in for the marketing and people this year, right, that are joining for the first time because Taylor Swift is there. It is a cultural touchstone in a way that it brings so many people together. And unlike the World Cup and the Olympics, it happens on one night at one time where everyone is locked into their screens together. And that is the biggest separator between how marketers can use this moment to the full flighted plans they have to put into place for something like the World Cup and the Olympics that happen over a period of time. It's just different. We're all locked in. And that's why us as marketers have to really have an intentional presence when the big game is on the screen. And in addition to that, this is one of the few events where people will just tune in for the ads. It's really rare that you get that type of undivided attention where people might be coordinating bathroom breaks during the game to make sure they don't miss a commercial. It's really rare that brands get that type of attention. So that alone means that you're going to get more engagement, more awareness, more eyes and more interest than you normally would. And these campaigns, you know, they're so high budget, they're so high production, a ton of thought and planning has gone into them. So these companies are not just going to use them once and then they go away. They're going to continue running them all throughout the year in different formats, on different channels, um, in different, you know, varieties. And so it also sets the tone for what 2024 marketing is going to look like. It gives us a really strong indication of themes, messaging, um, how brands in general are thinking and what they're thinking consumers are going to want to see. So it is this cultural moment that's so important, but it also gives us a little bit of a sneak peek into the minds of companies right now and what we're going to see in marketing for the rest of the year. What are some of those sneak peeks that you feel you observed last night? Oh, so many. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, so, so many. This could be a way that Nicole and I really want to think about these ads because we did just present our 2024 marketing trends from Intel is we wanted to kind of use this as a gut check of did we get this right? How did these campaigns fall into these trends or how did they not? Um, and luckily, we have a lot we can talk about <laughs> for each of them, which is good. Um, good to know that we got some things right. That's always comforting. Um, so first, actually, if we'd like, we can talk about one of our trends that we aptly called funnel vision. And funnel vision was all about how 
consumers right now have so many media touch points, so many social media channels, so many options for streaming that we're really seeing um, fragmented viewership everywhere, which is really causing brands to have to start thinking about the marketing funnel differently. How do we use awareness channels as a conversion touch point? How do we use touch points typically driven for sales in an awareness capacity? So really, how are brands getting creative and experimenting with the funnel because they need to? And we saw a lot of different examples from this during the Super Bowl. Um, Nicole, I'll let you start. Yeah, I think one of the biggest ones that we both collectively saw and we're very much anticipating was the use of QR codes, right? We've talked about a lot in our in our trend presentation, this idea of how do we make national TV OTT something that is a little bit further down the funnel, it's a little bit more engaging with consumers versus just grabbing awareness. There were definitely brands that played into the QR code of it all. Um, we had TurboTax that was kind of like scan, scan to do something. We had Apple Music where the timing was fantastic right after the Apple halftime show. And then we had some other activations of that along the way, which I'm sure we'll talk about some here. But the scan to just learn more, which one of our key tenets of using QR codes is scan to do something. No one is really interested in scanning to learn more, especially when they're tuning into like the biggest sporting event of the year. And a big part of Funnel Vision as a trend is brands using different channels as a means to save consumers some time. So thinking about what's that natural next step after somebody's going to see your ad, what are they going to want to go do and how do we make that an easier process and an easier journey for them? So the example we really liked from Apple Music, for example, is that it was to go get your three free months, you know, the offer that they were giving you rather than you having to go look that up separately and figure out where to go. They're giving you that clear touch point to get you to the next step. Um, this generally we have found is much more well received and much more successful than like Nicole was saying, scan to learn more. Was I wanting to learn more anyway? Are you really saving me any time? So if you can give someone an actual direction to use it, it's really successful. Now, I will say another way that we saw brands kind of play around with this, one of my favorites for the night, a little unhinged, but it comes from Duolingo. Um, Nicole's already laughing. Um, Duolingo is known online for having what their CEO calls an unhinged social media strategy. They post really irreverent, weird, zany, funny content made to be entertaining. And so when they announced that they would be doing a regional spot, it was no surprise to anybody that they thought it was going to be a little weird. And it was. It was super short. It showed the Duolingo owl mascot. It showed a little graphic of its butt and then it ended and it left everyone saying, what? What is this for? Like it, it definitely elicited a reaction. But then what immediately followed was that anybody with Duolingo immediately got a push notification from the app saying no butts do a lesson now. So it was a reminder that you have a Duolingo lesson today, even if it's Super Bowl Sunday. Don't forget, make the time for this. Keep up with those daily streaks that they encourage their users to do. So it was using two different channels, kind of a teaser that nobody totally understood, followed up by a notification that sort of completed that journey and that cycle. So um, definitely a response, a reaction from people thinking, what am I looking at? But really strategic way to make sure that people are getting into the app. That is that is so clever. I remember seeing that thinking, hmm, no idea. Absolutely yep. no idea. And it, yeah. it, it kind of just catches you off guard, right? And I think that's something that we'll talk about throughout this conversation is 
the ones that we're going to bring up caught us off guard in one way, shape or form. And like they're memorable and they are driving that traction with consumers. And I love the Duolingo example. I mean, we talk about their marketing all the time as like just really disrupting the space in a way that is connecting with consumers left and right across so many platforms. Um, and then there's one mm-hmm. more that we're going to talk about with Funnel Vision. It's the flip side of the trend, right? Funnel Vision is all about like engaging with your consumers, finding new ways to do that, finding ways to take online experiences offline and offline experiences online. And the one that I think that like falls flat in this regard is FanDuel's like kick of destiny with Rob Gronkowski. I was, as a marketer, so excited for this campaign when it launched last year. And then how fake and short the initial kick of destiny was, was such a letdown and a disappointment. And so when I saw it happening this year, I was like, they've learned. They've listened to all of the social kind of conversations around it, how it just felt so forced and so fake and so inauthentic they're going to they're going to do it right this year like they're going to do it actually live it's going to feel real it's again it's taking this national tv moment it's allowing consumers to bet on it it's bringing them into the conversation it's recreating how we view a commercial and it didn't do that it fell flat to me again it was short it tried to be a little bit more real in the surrounding you know looking like vegas but again he missed again didn't even look like he actually kicked the ball. Like there were just so many things where I'm like, if we're going to do this, not only back to back years, we have to make sure that we're considering the consumer perception to it because it's meant to drive engagement. And when it doesn't deliver, that Super Bowl spot doesn't deliver. You get so disappointed at like even remotely being invested in how that storyline plays out. Yeah, I felt the ads in the weeks up to the Super Bowl for, for FanDuel promoting all of that were much funnier and much more interesting than the actual thing itself. I thought that talk, was fascinating. Talk about a worst case scenario for a Super Bowl ad when your teasers of it are actually more interesting than the ad itself. What a, what a waste of that 30 second spot, right? And like, again, the same I, last year was the same thing. The pre, like the lead up spots were so high quality, so well done, like bought into this whole idea of like training for this opportunity, like doing this like very specific, unique skill. And again, it just doesn't finish, you so, know, which is just disappointing. Yeah. So now something, something else with funnel vision, you tell me if this fits, but one of the things that I really noticed that really stood out to me was how many movie trailers. Mm-hmm weren't actual movie trailers. It was just a little bit. And then it said, you know, essentially go to the website to watch the whole thing, you know, go online to watch the whole thing. Does that fit into this trend oh, as it well? It absolutely does. This is something that Caitlin and I, we, we dug into it a little bit when we were chatting offline. And it's just, again, you're disrupting someone's experience. We're here to watch the game. I'm giving you this attention during the commercial span you have to maximize that. Whether you buy 30 seconds, whether you buy 60, or whether you have a, you know, a longer spot, you have that attention, you have that window. So now you're telling me that I've seen this 30 second spot and the game is back on, but you want me to go watch the trailer online? It just doesn't connect, yes. it doesn't maximize on that moment, which is the opposite of making someone's experience like more seamless as Kaylin mentioned earlier. And I think like kind of combining and wrapping this whole section up, like how, how that could have been better is show the 30 second thing and then have your QR code. People know how to scan for a chance to win free tickets or free movie, like at, you know, with AMC or 
um, or free popcorn at the movie, whatever yeah. it is. It's like, give me a reason to scan. Give me a reason to go see your movie that you've just introduced to me as a consumer. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yep. Now, I guess I'll use this to transition into our second trend. This one is uh, very beloved to our hearts. It's called commit to the bit and it's two sided. So there's one element of commit to the bit. That's all about being really intentional about your audience strategy and your channel strategy, even messaging, getting really deep and nuanced in any particular audience or channel to make sure that rather than trying to reach everybody, we're reaching people in the most relevant and compelling way possible. So this is spurred by cut media budgets, marketers being asked to do more with less. So it's just really important that rather than trying to talk to everybody, you talk to a specific group of fans. Or rather than trying to be on every single channel, you're making the most of the nuances that channel provides. However, there's also a flip side of this trend about corporate social responsibility. And we decided this needed that angle because of all of the backlash that happened um, during last June for pride campaigns. And this is really about how we expected in 2024 that marketers would step off of the DEI sidelines. They would either fully commit to these initiatives in these campaigns, or they would withdraw if they could not deliver beyond performative actions. And so that's commit to the bit. From a corporate social responsibility perspective, Nicole and I both identified Google Pixel and Dove as really good examples of this. Um, Google Pixel especially committing to the idea that the purpose of technology can be to improve ability and quality of life. Um, that I think was a really special nod to it saying we're Google Pixel. We care about creating technology that works for everybody and can even improve quality of life is great. Um, and Nicole, I'll let you talk a little bit more about Dove because I know how passionate you are about their work. Oh, absolutely. And, I, and kind of uh, one thing I want to say about Google before we move to Dove is that they're making this like their Budweiser Clydesdales of the Super Bowl. Every year they are hitting with a campaign that is so impactful. It's speaking to something that is yep. actually impacting and affecting people's lives. And again, as Caitlin said, they are integrating it into their products. They're not showing you like, all of the features that we see, like when, you know, a random phone is being introduced, it's like real, like nitty gritty things that are important to like someone's quality of life. And like you expect it now, year in and year out, if there's a Google Pixel commercial, it is going to drive home a point that like when you're sitting on your couch watching the game, you're just kind of like, wow, like that's amazing. And so I love, I love to see that kind of becoming their Super Bowl identity. And then speaking of Super Bowl identities, we all know Dove. Dove is... They have long, you know, been someone that has been advocating for body positivity, body confidence, especially within, you know, with women, which Caitlin and I talked about this last year. We love when brands take this opportunity to connect with like female audiences. Like it is such a platform to connect. And Dove's message was just like, let's keep like girls involved in sports. Like it's giving you stats that are reminding you like why like women drop out of sports at young age. They tie it back to their core promise of, you know, promoting body positivity. And they're showing you clips that evoke real emotion. It shows you a real issue that you should care about. And that's important to like the lives of young women. And they're again showing how they are making efforts as a company to kind of combat some of these difficulties and these hurdles that like young women are facing specifically with athletics and encouraging them to keep going. So to me, both of these were really two of the only spots that had this big social responsibility pool in a way that like caught your attention. You understood how the brand was connecting like a problem with a solution. And it, it really drove impact um, 
you know, during the viewing experience. And it, it didn't come out of left field either. This is work both of these brands have already been doing. So it's a continuation on that commitment, which we always really love to see. We love consistency in CSR. Oh my gosh, you are, you're so right on that, Kaylin. There's something else about the Dove one that, that there were a couple others that were like this as well. And I can't think of which ones they are right now. But with the Dove ad, when it started... You didn't, I mean, if you know the Dove brand, you could kind of guess where it was mm-hmm. going to go, but not entirely because it was all girl, you know, young girls, like having things go wrong with their, with their sports mm-hmm. activities, mm-hmm. you know, doing the jump and failing and you know all of those things that were sweet and funny and cringy and all of that. And then it felt like it took that and flipped it upside down and showed that the young girl in the bathing suit and, and started talking about the numbers and it showed how uncomfortable she was looking at herself in the mirror in the bathing suit. And I felt that there were other ads too that like started out one way and then like turned and became something a little bit different. And to me, that makes the Dove one even more impactful because you start watching and it's fun and it's like, oh, and then this is what happens, right? So... Such a great ad. Something that something that we've been like talking about a lot in regards to that, Lynn, is this idea that we're something that we're seeing a ton across marketing is like connecting and finding ways to embody like human truths. Like that's a big part of we'll talk about Deja New here in a second. But it's really like how do we connect with something or portray something that like a ton of consumers can relate to? Like in the dub example was so wonderfully executed because we're watching what feels like home video clips and whether you've done gymnastics or not, like you can relate to like what you're seeing on the screen. And when you can do that and we can connect with consumers in that way, it makes the messaging more compelling, more engaging. And it really does bring storytelling into the mix in a way that like you are sitting there watching it, but you're able to resonate with the emotions of everything that they're depicting on the screen. And it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other part of commit to the bit that's really fun when it comes to the Super Bowl is that, as I'm sure everyone noticed, nearly every Super Bowl commercial features a celebrity, right? That's kind of the hallmark of Super Bowl strategy. And unfortunately, sometimes it can kind of turn into celebrity soup where you kind of are like, wait, what celebrity was in this one? And, oh, I remember them, but what was the brand? You get a lot of confusion. And so it's really important from a commit to the bit perspective that you're being really intentional with that celebrity or spokesperson that you're choosing. And you're actually designing the concept around them. That's what's going to make it memorable. That's what's going to make people remember, oh, yeah, it was Ben Affleck and Duncan. Oh, it was this person in this. It was Jennifer Aniston and Uber Eats. Because you're going to remember because it made sense. And it felt Mm -hmm. like... Like it was really selective and intentional. So there are a million examples of this. And a lot of them come from some of the most memorable and most well-liked ads because these are the ones that made sense. I know earlier, Nicole could not stop talking about the Duncan ad. She was absolutely obsessed with it for that reason. Oh, my gosh. And I think, you know, we've seen this happen so often where it's like, like Kaylin said, like, it doesn't make sense. Why are, why are these brands with these, you know, celebrities? And I do think this year, for the most part, an overwhelming amount of brands got it right in terms of the content that they created correlated to why the celebrity they were using was famous, things that they were known for, unique characteristics about them. And they brought that to life throughout the spot. So like, bravo to brands for, you know, for the most part, getting a lot better at this. Um, but the Duncan one to me is just stellar. 
because it commits to so many bits with Ben Affleck being the center of it. And they commit to Ben Affleck, Affleck because he is a avid Duncan like coffee consumer. He loves Dunkin' Donuts. And like we start to know that like there's memes about it, which is where this even came from in the first place. And in the spot, they not only commit to like his relationship with Jennifer Lopez, they not only commit to his relationship with Matt Damon, they not only commit to like bringing Tom Brady into the spot in a way that like makes sense. But the entire thing is an interweb of inside jokes that connect back to kind of who like Ben Affleck has been for Dunkin' Donuts over like a long period of time. I mean, this spot is a direct continuation of multiple spots they've done throughout the year. There's a commitment there, but then there's also a nostalgic element to it that's really great. Um, and that actually leads us into our last trend, which is called Deja Nu. Um, Deja Nu is all about how brands are updating their marketing playbook with references to pre-social media era marketing. Think jingles, think mascots, but then they're still giving them that modern twist that makes things interesting. And we saw a variety of this and a few different types of activations actually throughout the Super Bowl. Um, one of mine that I was very excited about that actually ended up letting me down a little bit was DoorDash's big sweepstakes, where they committed to being able to deliver everything that was advertised in the Super Bowl. This felt very nostalgic to me, giveaways, sweepstakes. This feels very pre-social media type of marketing, but then the activation is doing it through the mobile app. So you have the little twist there. Um, unfortunately, I don't think it actually ended up landing super well. The promo code was ridiculously long to the extent that everyone was actually a little let down and frustrated by it. If you were like me, you were ready to type that promo code in. You were excited about this. And then you saw how much work it was actually going to take you. And it felt like a bit of a letdown, a bit of a betrayal from what they seemed to have proposed initially. And I think a lot of lost engagement on their part for acquisition an engagement that that was an opportunity to really get people excited. And instead, they made it really difficult to participate, which is kind of the antithesis of the Super Bowl, something that's accessible to everyone and fun and inviting for everyone. So a really good example of a strategy that feels a bit nostalgic, but not exactly executed perfectly. Yeah, I, I also was disappointed. I saw the, the lead up to DoorDash and I was like, oh, this is really, really cool. You're taking what's happening on the screen and you're making it a part of your spot. And then when it aired, I was similar. I was like, oh, I was like, they're serious. Like, this is the promo code. Like, it's not a, this isn't like a spoof or a joke. Um, and some of the social listening tools we have, I was like kind of listening. I don't know what are people saying about all of these spots. And DoorDash was like, is someone going to post the code so we can all copy and paste it? Or like, how are we actually going to do it? Are we going to group together to make this happen? Because otherwise, how would anyone do this? And why would anyone do this? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think, yeah, I totally agree, Kayla. And that's such a good, like, nostalgic tactic that could have played out really well in a unique way for a brand whose sole purpose is to connect consumers with the things they need. Um, but, you know, speaking of connections... One of our favorite tenants of Deja New is this idea of bringing back brand figureheads. We loved it with McDonald's and it's been something that like we've continued to kind of monitor throughout the years. So like big brand mascots, big brand figureheads, bringing out like brand mascots from the past and bringing them back to like conversations today. And there's a couple of, you know, brands that played into this space, but one that I know we're passionate about has been the E-Trade Babies. 
So they <laughs> bought the E-Trade babies back. This is not the first time they've been back. I'm pretty sure it was either last year or the year before where it was like, oh my gosh, E-Trade babies are back. But the reason I loved it this year and I found the spot so compelling is because, yes, it's taking these nostalgic characters and it's putting it in a conversation in a situation that is so relevant today. Connecting the babies to pickleball, which is like the sport that is blooming across the country, across age demographics, and leaning into like court talk and like smack talk, and then also tying it back to like, you know, I'm more concerned about saving for retirement, you know, back to their products. It's such a perfect example of let's use a brand figurehead, something that like you will all love from the past. It's nostalgic. Like, let's make it relevant today. And the way that we do that is like by putting it into like a modern conversation. And it's just so timely, so relevant. And it really does kind of capture so many compelling elements of the story that they've been telling from one Super Bowl to the next. And I think Pluto TV is a really good example that you don't already need a mascot to be able to embrace this trend. You can you can find one that speaks to your brand and gets the heart of your brand. Um, Pluto's spot with the couch potatoes, Nicole and I both agreed, was just absolutely brilliant because the truth of that you know, platform is that it's always on and you can find exactly what it is that you want to watch and lay on the couch and just, you know, waste hours away using it. You do use it different than you use other streaming networks. So it was like the human truth of it all was there. You are a couch potato with your Pluto TV. But now we have this new kind of mascot there that I think was very lovable. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for Pluto TV to take that big spot and clip it a million different ways. Mm. You had your reality TV. TV watcher, your true crime watcher, your romance watcher. Um, I think these are all prime for TikTok shorts, Instagram reels, really developing these characters, getting people, you know, really um, positive associations with them, almost developing connections and relationships with them. Um, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm ready to buy a couch potato like plushie from the Pluto TV website. I am all for it. I agree. I totally feel like I am like, I can connect with this. I am absolutely a couch potato at like some, you know, times throughout my week, multiple times, if we're being honest. Um, and I think that, you know, one that we've talked about a lot, like with financial services, Caitlin, is like, you have beloved mascots, you have new mascots, but then there's some brands that don't have a mascot and they don't really want one. It doesn't work for like the products and services that they sell. And one that we have loved in that world is Discover and their use of Jennifer Coolidge. We have really talked a lot about how they are using her and her character that like all of us like know and love her for and everything that she is on screen and they're bringing it to life in a way that is embodying human truths. And they didn't have a spot during the game. They were maybe a little bit more strategic with their marketing budget and they kind of sandwiched the game. So they were before kickoff and they were after kickoff with a continuation of this spot leaning into the human truth of like wanting to like connect with a human when it comes to customer service and then playing into the idea of like, Am I a robot? And then not only <laughs> did the spot do that, their social media is like so relatable because it's her going through all of the like, you know, I'm not a robot test. And it's like, but there is no picture. Well, no wait. Stop, stop, like, <laughs> it's like, how do I prove that I'm not a robot? You know? Um, yeah. And that's like such a great example of like, we don't have a brand mascot. We have a figurehead and like, we love her. We're committing to who she is and like what she means to like society and then we're going to like tie it back to human truths. How do we use her to show how our products are addressing things that like are so impactful, you know, 
to consumers everywhere. And I just, I think it's stellar and they're going to continue to do it. And it is something that other financial services brands should definitely be paying attention to. Both Nicole and I expected AI to be a much stronger focus of Super Bowl marketing. Um, it really wasn't. You had you had a few mentions, but not as much as I think we did. And I think they humanized AI in a really mm-hmm. good way, especially for their brand. The um, the other ad that I thought when it started was going to be all about AI. You probably know which one I'm I'm talking about. Started out with like images that were really really weird. It was talking about AI generation and all of that. And the camera pulls back and there are a million little minions sitting (laughs) at computer terminals. To me, that just, that just totally summed up what so many people think about AI. And then also it's minions. So how can that go wrong? But, um, (laughs) a great, (laughs) really, um, a great way to, I thought to, um, really push that, that next Despicable Me movie. I thought that was a really clever way to your point to be, current talking about AI and then having it morph into something totally, totally different. Oh yeah. And I, one of the ones that kind of we, Caitlin and I talked about and we, we have mixed opinions on it, but the idea of like using the nature of like the minions as a character, right. And like that brings that spot to life was the elf beauty commercial. I loved it because I was avid. Like I watched seasons one through nine of suits, like throughout the summer and I was like, I didn't really expect them to be a part of the Super Bowl. And they, they showed up in a couple different spots. But I liked the elf of it all because it, like, leaned into, you know, the different characters and it tied to the products. And so, like, I, I thought that that was a good example of, like, committing to a bit. Like, if we're going to go all in on, like, connecting our products to suits, we need to make sure that the storyline comes through. And I think that is where Caitlin feels like it missed a little bit was that it wasn't long enough. Right? Is that that's your perspective? I was not on the Suits bandwagon, so maybe this just didn't serve me like it served Nicole. Um, but I was like, you have Megan Trainer, you have Judge Judy, you have Suits. And I don't feel like any of these people are getting enough time to really lean into the inside jokes, the nuances of their respective franchises or their fan bases. And so I felt like the idea of the courtroom was really funny. I loved the idea of them positioning themselves as the accessible version of really expensive cosmetics. I liked all of that. It speaks to it, but I did not feel like it had the room to breathe for all of the jokes to really land with the people who would have loved them. Exactly. It becomes one of the the problems. It's like a blessing and a curse, right? A Super Bowl advertising. And that has to happen so far in advance of like the game. Like you are trying to be you know, culturally relevant, like in, you know, midsummer Q1, Q2 of 2024 to like deliver a spot almost, you know, eight to 12 months later. And I think to me almost like you have to be careful when you're taking these like cultural, like hot stones, which Suits was, right? Like Suits was really, really hot in the summer. So if that spot would have landed, I don't know, like during the MLB season or during the World Series, I feel like it would have had a lot more impact Whereas now it's like almost something that we're nostalgic for already because like it happened in the summer. That was the moment. And like now I'm like, oh, my gosh, I like love these characters. I completely forgot about them. Um, And so I think that is kind of almost a burden sometimes of Super Bowl advertising that like maybe made the elf spot feel not as impactful to some as it could have to others. Mm hmm. Were there some cases of um, celebrities and ads where it didn't make sense? or where it, there wasn't that connection between the celebrity and the brand? Absolutely. I think TurboTax 
TurboTax was a bad offender with Quinta Bronson. Um, Love her. Love Abbott Elementary. Have no idea what it has to do with TurboTax. Um, So it's like you might remember there was a TurboTax commercial. You might remember Quinta Bronson was in a commercial. I don't know if you would make the connection between the two. Yeah, I think, you know, overall to me, the the beer brands this year were so lackluster and a lot of them used you know corner celebrities i love that bud light continues to use post malone because like we talked about he is an avid user you know of, of that product or he has been in the past and so that was a good connection so it makes sense for him to be there but overall like bud light even budweiser with the clyde sales and um Coors light with like ll cool j like they were all just kind of like i don't know they just felt meh to me. Um, so I think there were so many good activations of celebrities that those that you thought were going to be really stellar just kind of got lost. Even the Michelob Ultra campaign. I mean, you have the biggest, you know, face of like soccer ever in Lionel Messi, like in your spot. And it just, it didn't deliver to me. It's like, yeah, he, he's there and he's playing soccer on the beach and you have Ted Lasso, you know, Jason Sudeikis, but it didn't connect to me the same way that like their like Caddyshack spot did last year. Um, so I think across the board, um, beer brands were let down for me in that aspect. Well, I think we should wrap this one up. We've been talking for quite a long time about a lot of different things. So what I want to say to um, everybody out there that there is so much to take from from this conversation that we've just had. A couple things that I wrote down that are key points to think about is um, the Super Bowl, unlike the Olympics, unlike uh, World Cup, really stands out as being a little bit different because it's a one-shot deal. It's totally live. It's it's one thing all at once, and the degree to which companies use that to inform their strategy for the year to come really cannot be... Um, overstated at all. Um, Clearly, everybody has their own favorites. And clearly, I think looking at the lineup of the ads and the agreement and the disagreement among the three of us, that there truly is something for everyone. And that kind of is the whole point. But I think the, the biggest thing that I take away is the importance for every company when considering advertising at the Super Bowl, not at the Super Bowl, is to have as deep a reach as possible across as many touch points as possible as well to really optimize that spend that they are um, making. So thanks to everyone for listening. But as you know, the conversation doesn't end here. So if you go to Mintel's LinkedIn and Instagram, uh, let us know what you think about it. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and on any of the other episodes. If you want to know more about Mintel, visit Mintel.com and sign up to become a member of the free Mintel Spotlight community. So make sure you never miss an episode. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Goodbye for now. We'll catch you next time for a new episode of Little Conversation. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.